I hope you guys have been enjoying uh, the life of Christ. I hope that everyone has found a way to engage with that. I know our family has. Uh, I've been enjoying it. I've been enjoying hearing from some of the other campus pastors. Uh, It does make me realize they're much better teachers than I am, and that's okay. Uh, We all have our different gifts, but uh, I want to go to a scripture that's coming up later this week. I'm going to jump a few days ahead in, in the reading plan, and and if you don't know, there's, there's the videos that are teachings around the scripture that we're going to be looking at in the, in the life of Christ, but there's also a reading plan um, that's outlined as far as reading through those chapters through the life of Christ. And so I want to look at Luke chapter 9 today, and, uh, and towards the end of that chapter, uh, we are living in a time when there's a lot of pain for a lot of different reasons. And uh, I, was, I was at the gym the other day. And it's so interesting. I've, I've told a few people about this. It's so interesting. I love going to the gym um, because I, 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 for me, it's a stress relief. I like, I like to try to stay healthy and all that. But it has become this amazing mission field as well. Uh, for one reason or another, men, when they get in the gym, they're more open and vulnerable than like any other time in their life. It's like these big, tough Men, you know, like they're in there walking around like they're three times bigger than they actually are. And it's like, it's like you would think that the gym is where like, that's where the toughest of all male traits are demonstrated is in the gym. But you would be amazed at how many times in the gym, some guy will come over to me and be like, hey man, I'm gonna talk to you about something. And then they'll just like pour their feelings out for, for 10, 15 minutes and just, and like, and get like emotional. I'm like, it must be the hormones. I don't know. Like your pre-workout is messing with you, dude. You're like, you need to just chill out. I don't know what you're taking, but it is messing with you. But I, 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 I love it. I love it because it, I, it opens up opportunities and, and I've got to pray with people. And I, and, and so just a few days ago, I, someone came over and said, Hey, I, can I talk with you? And I was like, sure, absolutely. So we just kind of stepped over to the side and, he, and they were just talking about how they were, they were heavy in their heart about somebody they love, somebody in their family, and just talking about that. And I was just like, this is amazing. And, and I, thought, I thought they were gonna be like, and so will you pray? But instead they're like, so I'm gonna pray now. And they started praying. And I was like, yeah, okay. Oh, this is cool, kind of role reversal. I don't mind though, you know. And so then they prayed for this person and, and, it, and it was amazing. It was powerful. And then I'm like, well, I mean, I'm gonna pray too, you know, cause that's like my job and stuff. And so, so I prayed and, and uh, but, I, but what I noticed is obviously how the Holy Spirit shows up in those moments, you know, and helps us. And I could tell that there was some peace that came back. And, and I don't know prayer works, and, and I know that that person that they are concerned about, they're doing much better. And, and, uh, but, but it just is a reminder. It's like, man, people are walking around with, with a lot of pain and, and a lot of different reasons. You know, I'd say certainly because of this virus, people are, are dealing with a lot of different situations and circumstances, whether it's financial, emotional. Uh, man, I'm, I'm convinced that the, the psychological fallout from this thing honestly, is far more greater than the virus itself um, and, and what it's doing to people. It's just crazy. Um, but I was just thinking about that and just thinking, man, I hope people know that we care and we love them. And, and, uh, and so if you're dealing with something, please don't leave here today without letting us know what we can be praying about. 
Uh, you can do that through, through a digital form, or you can just come and let us know, or you can, you can just, just stop by that welcome center out on the pound and just say, will you guys be praying about this? There's no reason for you to leave here thinking that you're on your own with something that's going on in your life. We wanna pray for you. So let us know. Let's get into this scripture. As they were walking along, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. But Jesus replied, foxes have dens to live in and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place even to lay his head. He said to another person, come follow me. And the man agreed, but he said, but Lord, let me first return home and bury my father. But Jesus told him, let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Man, this seems like a really cold thing to say unless you understand the full context of what's actually happening because the man that said this, he wanted to go back and get his birthright first. That's basically what he's saying. So he knew he had to go and wait a few days for this process to happen with his dad so he could get the birthright. So that's really what he's saying. So Jesus is not being cold to what's happening, but he is seeing straight through the motive of this man's heart to say, you know, you're, you're, you're saying that you're willing, but your heart's not really there. Another said, yes, Lord, I will follow you, but first let me go say goodbye to my family. But Jesus told him, anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. So I, I think about this because I, I, this can happen in any one of our lives. I think there's probably been seasons, even in the most devout believer's life, where they had a tendency to look back a little bit. And so I, I, I was thinking, what are the main reasons why people look back away from the kingdom of God, the thing that they were created to do, their purpose in him? What are the things that cause us to look back and get away from that? And I think certainly it's just distractions. I think it's certainly just culture. I think it's certainly just things in our own flesh but I think one of the biggest issues is unforgiveness. And I think more specifically, it's the unforgiveness towards ourselves. If I was to survey our church right now and ask, what is the most, or the most difficult thing for you to forgive or the most difficult person for you to forgive? I promise you the vast majority of people would say, it's most difficult for me to forgive Myself, that's the most difficult. And when I think about this picture of people looking back away from what God has called them to do, away from his kingdom, I think that their own understanding of God's forgiveness for them is probably one of the greatest things that keeps them away from God's plan and purpose. It's not unusual for someone to say, I don't think even God could forgive me. And this blows my mind because of the effort that Jesus went through, that God went through to give us forgiveness and to, to, to think that he might withhold forgiveness because of sin or selfishness or rebellion or whatever. It's just crazy that people would think that way. Why? Why do they think that way? I think in a lot of respects, it's because there's a memory that just haunts them. There's an experience, there's this picture. And 
And I think it haunts him. And, and I think it's kind of like a ghost, honestly. I like to stay around the theme of Halloween. It, but it's really this distortion of truth. You know, as kids, I'm sure all of us at one point or another, when we were in our room at night, we we're trying to go to sleep. How many of y'all at one point or another thought you could see something in your room and it freaked you out a little bit, right? Anybody, okay. There's only 50% of us that are willing to be honest in church and that's okay. That's okay. That's all right. The Lord will meet you where you are. But, um, but, I, but I know that there were definitely times like, and, and like for me, it's like one of the things was if I had to get in bed and it was already dark in my room, like if I had to turn off the light and then get in my bed, like, I was going to launch as far as I could from the bed because I was convinced something was under the bed that could still grab my leg. And I didn't want it to grab my leg. I didn't mind if it stayed there for the night. I just didn't want it to grab my leg as I was jumping towards the bed, right? But, but I remember there being times where, where there will be like a shadow or something that was over like in a corner of my room. And so... I, was, I, I really tried to be brave. I tried to, you know, not have fear. And so I would jump up and you go turn on the light, right? And I would turn on the light like ready to fight because I was convinced there was something there. But you turn on the light, what was there? Nothing. There's nothing there. It was just this thing in my mind that I had allowed. And as I, if I sat there and I thought about it long enough, it became this distortion of what was true, but as soon as the light came on and it exposed, you realize, man, it was really nothing. It was really nothing. I find it interesting. The word ghost and the word wreath come from the same word. It's the word wraith, W-R-A-I-T-H. And what that word wraith means is to twist, manipulate, and distort. I think that that's interesting. And I think that's exactly what happens in our lives when it comes to our understanding of the forgiveness, that we, the grace that we can walk in. The enemy will come and bring these distortions and twist truth. And I find it so interesting that the main reason why so many of us don't move forward into the work and the plan and purpose that God has for us is because we're constantly being tripped up by a lie and deception from the past, from something behind us. And I think that's what the devil wants to do. He wants to take the truth about your past, but twist it and distort it to keep you ineffective. I think you've got four options when it comes to your past. One option, really only one of these works, but the first option is you can try to bury it. Like bury it with time. Time will heal it and then you can move on. How many of y'all heard the phrase, time heals all things? That is a lie. That is not true. The reason why I know that's not true is because now more than ever, there are people that have been married 30, 40, 50 years that are getting divorced. The stats are staggering. Why? Because they thought that time heals all things. But it doesn't. Time doesn't heal things. Jesus heals things. You can't just bury things. Anything that you bury or you try to sweep under the rug or throw into a closet, look, it's going to come back to haunt you someday. 
Proverbs 28, 13 says this, he who conceals his sins does not prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces them finds mercy. How many of y'all had a dog at one point or another that liked to bury stuff? Anybody have a dog that liked to bury stuff? I had this dog, his name was Hooli. And when I was younger, we had a, a few acres of land, this is out in Colorado, but we had some prairie dogs. And so I was like the self-appointed prairie dog destroyer of our, our, our family. I, I got, I got a, a pellet gun with a scope on it. I was serious, right? And, and I would go and, and I, I would shoot prairie dogs all day long. I mean, I just like notching them, just like, just, just killing them. And the reason why I would kill them is because they carry disease. If they dig holes and our, our horses and mules can step in the holes and break their legs and stuff. So my dad, so I was like a hero. I was saving all of our horses and mules lives every day. It was an awesome thing. But when I would kill a prairie dog, when I would kill a prairie dog, if my dog, Hooli, saw that I killed it, it would go and get the prairie dog, and then it would go and bury it. Which somebody said, oh, I promise you it wasn't because he was sensitive. Like, I promise it wasn't because he cared about the prairie dog. But the thing was, he would bury it, and then four, five, six days later, he'd go dig it back up again. And then if we weren't watching, he'd bring it around the house and play with it. And then everybody got to experience the prairie dog all over again, but in a really unpleasant way. Uh, it stunk, and it was leaving, it was beside itself or all around the place. Remember when Lazarus died and Jesus said, I want you to roll away the stone. But Mary's there and she's like, Jesus, Lazarus has been dead for like four days. This is gonna smell bad when you do this. And Jesus said, you have to roll the stone away. If you don't roll the stone away, then I can't do what I wanna do. And I think this is such a great biblical principle of what happens in our lives because so often what we wanna do is just bury stuff and seal it off. We hope that nobody ever gets a whiff of, of how dead this thing is in our life. But the truth is, until you roll that stone away and let it be exposed, it can't be healed. It can't be made whole. I think a lot of us try to bury things for something to be brought back to life, though, Jesus says, look, it has to be exposed to the light. So I think you need to find someone that you can talk to, that you can pray with. This is the reason why we need biblical community. This is the reason why life groups and serve groups and all this is so important because it, it's not just a place where Christians congregate to have a little gang, a little clique. It's because Christians need Christians who will pray and believe and allow them to expose themselves. And you know that what breaks my heart, what breaks my heart is when I meet somebody that's been around church their whole life and they've never told one person their deepest, darkest secret. That breaks my heart because that means the church has failed that person because they never gave them an opportunity. They never gave them a platform where they were able to say, hey, this is what's really going on. This is, this is what I'm struggling with. 
Look, the devil loves for these things to stay concealed. And Acts 3.19 says, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. I'm telling you, there's nothing like that. Jesus wants our sins wiped out, not buried out back. We can beat ourselves up. That's another option. Psalm 38, four through eight. I was drowning in the flood of my sins. They are a burden too heavy to bear because I've been foolish, utterly worn out and crushed. My heart is troubled. It's interesting. These are the same types of words that someone uses when they talk to me about stuff that's going on. I'm heavy hearted. How can I be so stupid? I'm so tired. My heart hurts. Look, I just want to let you know, Jesus was beaten so you don't have to beat yourself up. That's the reason why he allowed himself to be beat so that you don't have to beat yourself up. And I just want to promise you, God is not like up in heaven like, man, I'm really glad he's beating himself up about this. I'm so glad he's finally taking this serious. Keep going. No, no, that's not quite, that's not, no, you need, you need to hit yourself a little harder. This is a big deal. It's ridiculous to even think about it that way, but that's how we view it. Sometimes that's the, that's the very way. I've seen parents beating themselves up because their kid passed away or got really sick and they thought, man, if I was just a better Christian, if I had just prayed more or loved better, or this would have never happened. Look, the devil loves to torment. He loves when circumstances come into our lives so that he can try to blame us for it. But beating ourselves up doesn't work. We can also try to blame others. Play the victim. It says in Matthew, don't judge the speck that is in someone else's eye when you've got a big old plank in yours. But I think a lot of times what happens is we try to blame shift. It's not my fault. Somebody else's fault. Like everything that is bad in my life, someone else or something else is to blame. Like, this was the problem from the very beginning of time. Remember Adam and his wife and Eve? Like, God comes over, and, and it was just like, from the beginning, it's like, Adam, what did you do? It was, it was her, it was she, and she was, so he goes over to her, it was the serpent. Just shifting blame all over the place. Even when, Moses went up the mountain to get the Ten Commandments, right? And he was gone for a while. But the people got impatient. He was gone 40 days. The people got impatient, right? So they come to Aaron and they're like, Aaron, man, we just been, this just taking way too long, way too long. We need something to worship. What are you gonna do about this? So Aaron makes the golden calf. Okay, so this was the excuse. Moses comes back, he confronts Aaron. He's like, Aaron, what are you doing? He's like, you're gone so long. Okay, this would be like Ethan showing up late for church. So we started worshiping the coffee urns. What are y'all doing? It's, you were late and we needed something to worship. And we love coffee so much. 
But that's how silly it is when you live a life where it's just everyone else's fault. I promise you, you will never have freedom until you learn to take as much personal responsibility as you possibly can for the things that are happening in your life. I'm not saying that you have to not put value in things that have happened and things that people did and all that, but until you can say, but you know what, I've got to, I've got to own my own salvation and freedom. I've got to own, the own my own truth, but it's natural to blame. Like my, God, my dad wasn't affectionate enough. I was a middle child. There is some validity to some of that, okay? Middle children, I mean, we, we have it rough, okay? Or I've got some Irish in me. That's why I yell. It's, it's because of my heritage or my parents put my diaper on too tight when I was a baby. It scared me and that's why I have fear. Or we blame our government. Climate change. Everyone knows, though, climate change causes ISIS. That's a bad joke. Sorry, that's just a bad joke. But we'll... Here's a thought, though. Maybe the issue is we've run away from God. Maybe the issue is we've run away from God. Fourth option, and this is the only one that works, we can believe what God says. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. After Adam and Eve had sinned and they lost this unbroken communion, oh man, they had it so good. They felt naked, but nobody told them they were naked. Why? Whenever we sin, our conscience will condemn us. The Bible tells us like our hearts condemn us. In fact, the next time the atheist wants to argue that there is no God, ask them if there is no God, then why do you feel condemned when you do dumb stuff? Science didn't tell them that. No, there's, there's this conviction. There's this, per, this, this thing. And the truth is, it's because the Holy Spirit is always trying to bring conviction. In John 16, 9, or 16, 7, sorry. But very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Because unless I go, the advocate, the Holy Spirit will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. So how do I get past my past? You gotta let Christ forgive you. You gotta let Christ forgive you. Look, a lot of us, we struggle with this. We've struggled with it even this morning. Some of us, the reason why we have a difficult time praying or worshiping is because we have a difficult time letting Christ forgive us. A lot of us in here struggle with this, except Cody. She's like a super great Christian. I pray sometimes that she would just sin a little bit more just to make us all feel a little bit better. But, but most of us, we struggle with this. I remember when I was in high school, I was, I think, 16. I went to this really conservative church for a little bit of time. And they said they had this accountability group. And I was like, awesome. I wanna be, I wanna go hang out around some other guys, you know, that are struggling with some of the same things I'm struggling with so that I can, I can feel like I'm not messed up, right? And so I went and I hung out with this, but this is like, 
like we went around this circle and they're like, okay, well, what did you struggle with? It's like, I lost my temper and I said, darn it. And I'm like listening to this, I'm like, okay. And then another guy's like, oh, listen to secular music, man. Yeah, man, I listened to the Goo Goo Dolls and I didn't, and I didn't turn it off right away. And then another guy like, I went to Blockbuster and I rented, remember Blockbuster? And I rented a PG-13 movie and I watched it without my parents knowing. And they come to me and they're like, James, what about you? I'm like, you can't handle the truth. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm like, <"Yo." laughs> you don't wanna hear what I got to say. Because the truth is, I was a 16-year-old guy that struggled with girls. And I thought, all 16-year-old guys on some level, and these guys are talking about, I was like, what? But I knew they weren't being real because they probably just felt like, man, I don't know if I can be real about what's really going on because I don't know if Christ can really forgive me for that. I've talked to people like trying to encourage them to try out our church and, and, they, and they say, man, I just don't know if someone of a past like me could ever come to church. And what they're really saying is, I don't think someone like me can be around God. That's what they're saying. And my response is, thank God for his word and the truth of what he said, in spite of how we feel. God gave us Paul to encourage us with this because Paul had some pretty major struggles, but he had three primary struggles. One of the struggles was, Every time he would try to get something done, these religious Jews would come behind him and mess everything up and try to add a bunch of stuff to the gospel. So he struggled with that. Uh, we know he had this thorn in his flesh. We're not sure what that is. Some theologians believe because he had a weak immune system, so he was just always feeble and, and dealing with sickness and stuff. And, but we also know that he used to be a terrorist, that he was responsible for hunting down Christians. And we know in reading through some of the things, we know that he struggled with this one situation where he stood on the side and held the coats of some religious people while they stoned Stephen, one of the disciples to death. We know he struggled with the fact that he participated in that. So he had all these, sorry, he's way more messed up than any of you. And he says this in 1 Timothy 1.13, even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me and abundantly along with the faith and love that is in Christ Jesus. Here's a trustworthy, trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. So Jesus can get you. The first person in the Bible, or the first question in the Bible, this is the first question in the Bible. Adam, where are you? After he'd sinned. Adam, where are you? Because God didn't know where he was? No, God wanted Adam to know that even though he had sinned, God was still looking for him. He still wanted him to be found. 
And this is the same question that continues throughout the generations from the heart of God and shown in its full glory through the cross. Where are you? I want you to be found. Where are you? Where are you? You need to hear God say to your soul as a sinner, where are you? Are you hiding in the bushes trying to sew some stuff together to cover up what can only be covered by his grace? What has sin done to you? Where are you? Number two, you gotta stop trying to earn your forgiveness. Stop trying to earn your forgiveness. Ephesians 2, eight through nine says this, for it is by grace, everyone say grace. It's by grace that you've been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works. How many of you guys are doers? Any doers in the room? Like you like, you just, you feel like you gotta, I just gotta go prove this. I gotta go show this. There's, there's six of us in the church, okay? I'm, my people, come on. Not by works so that no one can boast because us doers, man, whew, prideful people. For some of us, it would feel easier to earn it. Like if I told you, I'll tell you this is what you gotta do. You gotta crawl from here on your hands and knees to Dallas. And if you'll do that, then you can be saved. And some of you are like, well, I'm gonna get started. You like how that sounds because you wish you could earn it. This is the problem with that thinking. If you think that you have to earn forgiveness, you will make others earn forgiveness from you for the rest of your life. Because you'll think that's how it works. Do you think God is ever saying like, I'm ready to forgive him, but he just hasn't earned it yet. Freely you've received. Freely you give, but if you haven't freely received, you don't freely give to anyone else or to yourself. And I think that the, really the root of unforgiveness is unbelief. You haven't freely received. You can't give what you don't have. But all sin has been paid through Christ. All sin, all sin. He's paid for your sin, past, present, and future. It's all been paid for. The Bible doesn't say stop sinning and you shall be saved. No, the word says believe in the Lord Jesus and you shall be saved. Even the Old Testament talks about this in Micah 7, 18. Who is a God like you who pardons sin and forgives the transgression? You do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. I just wanna let you know that the best part of God's day is forgiving you. He loves it. He can't wait to do it. He can't wait to do it. Defeat every lie with the truth. Defeat every lie with the truth. John 8, 44, when he lies, he speaks his native language for he is a liar and the father of lies. I've had people say, pastor, please help me forget it. But here's the truth. You're not gonna forget it. That's why you need to know the word because you're not gonna forget it. That's why you've gotta know the truth. That's the reason why 
the life of Christ and all these different things. Like we've got to know these things. They've got to be in our hearts because Satan is going to bring this lie up again and again and again. In fact, Satan stands and accuses you day and night in the presence of God, but God won't listen. So he puts those accusations in your ear instead. But the way that you defeat the enemy is with the truth of God's word. So that when he comes and he says, remember that day, remember how it tore apart part of your life, remember that mistake, remember that shame, remember that mistake, remember that? Well, at that point, you're either gonna believe the lie or you're gonna smile at the scar that it left. And say, that's right, I remember how God forgave me and healed me and mended me. Thank you so much, Satan, for reminding me so that I could step back into the truth of who I am according to the word of God. And not just keep it to myself, but go and spread it. I promise you, he'll shut up then. Because the reason why he's bringing it up is to keep you wounded and ineffective towards the purpose he's given you. And the moment that you say, no, I'm gonna believe the truth and I'm not just gonna do that, but I'm gonna have a testimony that can go and help somebody else that's believing the lies that I used to believe and I'm not gonna do it anymore. And I promise you, the moment you do that, he will leave you alone because then, because he knows the more you push, the more you're gonna lean into truth and the more you lean in the truth, the more effective you will come at making sure that other people know the truth. That's what happens. In 1 Corinthians 1.30, it says this, Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy. And he freed us from sin. In Hebrews 8.12, for I will forgive their wickedness and I will remember their sin no more. Someone might say, well, God forgets my sin. I want to forget it too. No, that's not what it actually says. The Bible says he remembers our sin no more. It doesn't mean that he forgets it. It just means he refuses to ever bring it up again. And that's what he wants you to do with it too. Refuse to bring it up. He's not going to. You don't need to either. We've got a big field to plow. We've got a lot of seed to plant. We've got a big harvest. And, and I want every single one of us to be in the place where we can put our hands to the plow and never look back, not be distracted, to walk into the fullness of everything that God has for us. And I believe so much of it starts with you Believing how God sees you, what he says about you, his forgiveness for you. Let's close our eyes, bow our heads. So maybe you don't, maybe you never have believed that your sins are truly forgiven. They're forgiven. Not because of anything you can do, but because of what he did. And all you have to do is believe that he did it. That's it. So if you've never done that, or maybe you've understood the concept of it, maybe you've gone through the motions, maybe you've even felt like you said the prayer, but but the truth is you still continue to hold on 
to your ability or feeling like you've got to earn it still somehow. Maybe you just need to come back to him. And I don't know what it is, but I just, I want every person to be able to walk out of here today reestablishing and reaffirming that they're going to walk in the truth of who God says that they are. Not what the enemy says. Not what they think about themselves. So, if you're ready, just to, as an act of faith, show and demonstrate, this is me. I'm ready to confess that Jesus is my Savior. That He's the Lord of my life and that's you. Nobody looking around, but you put your hand up right now because confidently, as confidently as you can, we're across this room. As soon as I see your hand, you can put it down. I need Jesus. Yes, sir. Okay. Okay. Anybody else? Man, I just feel like I'm, I've never truly, truly surrendered to this forgiveness. I've never truly surrendered my life to Him as my Savior. Anyone else? Yes, sir. Got it. Thank you, brother. Anybody else? just away from him. I need him. Okay, for this this couple of people that raised your hand, I just want us to pray together. And I would encourage you to, to let people know about this. Where it says, if you'll believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, then you can be saved. And, and I think a great way to do that is through water baptism or just telling somebody after the service but right there in your in your chair, maybe it's loud enough loud enough for your own ears to hear. You can just say it in your heart if you want, but but just say, Jesus, I know that I need you, and I know that I can't save myself, but I believe that you died on the cross for me. I don't understand that kind of love. It is difficult for me to accept the forgiveness that comes from you, but in faith I choose to believe. I choose to accept. And I, and I, and I know that it, the power in it is not that just that you died for it, but that you defeated it when you rose from the grave. You defeated it. That's why I have freedom. That's why I can walk in total healing and forgiveness. That's why I can always forgive anyone else for any reason because my sin and my death is defeated. Thank you. I surrender my life to you. I understand that I have to repent because if I don't repent, I'm gonna be back in a cycle again, thinking that it's about my ability. And so I don't want that. So I I surrender to you as my Lord. You're the Lord of my life. Thank you that I can walk forward. I can do everything that you've asked me to do and be because of your cross, because of your grace, your love and forgiveness. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.